I don't moonlight as a rapper. My jersey up too high in the rafters. I got a frog team, new life and attractive. Still sipping that moonshine and a plastic. Pretty much me and my mom. 
So I do love to see black men pass things off to young black men as they grow up in this world. I think that's pretty cool. 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 So Jason, I'm just didn't just meet, mm-hmm. but we met through my fiance. Mm-hmm. I don't know if she wants me to say her name. Maybe Shanae White. Uh, <laughs> we met through my fiance at uh, my first experience at an HBCU homecoming mm-hmm. at North Carolina A&T. That was the first time we actually met, right? right. Exactly. Right. I had never been to an HBCU homecoming before. How'd you like that? I thought it was pretty much off the chain. When I was a little kid, I grew up in Boston, Massachusetts. And my neighborhood was all black. I actually was raised at this rec center with all Muslims, uh, at the Shelburne Center. Not all Muslims, but a good influence. It was very, very pro-black, very positive, you know what I mean? So that was always in my mind. And we used to go on the black college tour when we were kids. Hampton U was always the one people used to talk about. Mm-hmm. Howard, because it was in the hood. Mm-hmm. But my brother would always tell me about North Carolina A&T, and I feel like Morehouse. Okay. So I never had to see it from my own eyes, you know, and seeing it, I thought it was pretty enlightening. It was pretty, it, it's something everyone should see, I feel like. You mm-hmm. know, to see black people doing well mm-hmm. in a variety of ways mm-hmm. was pretty cool. Yeah, I didn't go to a HBCU either, but I, I have fun by way of my wife uh, every time they have homecoming. So where are you from? Let's just start. Let's just... <clears throat> I'm from, uh, I'm from Richmond or it's a it's a small suburb right outside of Richmond. It's called Chester, Virginia. My dad, he was in the military though, so we moved around a little bit when I was younger. Lived in Oklahoma, lived in Germany for a little while. And military, military, okay, Army. yeah. And after we moved back, we moved back to Richmond. We ended up, I ended up growing up in Chester for the remainder of that time. Yeah, Chester, Chester, Virginia. Yeah. Okay, all right. Do you remember any of the moves or no? I remember all of them, really. All the moves. Uh, yeah. Really? Yeah, because when you're a kid, you make friends and stuff, and you might, you might get stationed somewhere for like a year or two years, and yeah, in the military, it seems like families kind of group together. Yeah. So you become like it's not all, it's not even just like friends. It's like you become an extension. It's like cousins. Right. You know. Yeah. So when you move and you get reassigned somewhere else, like you don't want to leave your friends, you know. So I feel that. Yeah. You do you remember those kids that you left behind? I do remember. Really? I do remember. It's my whole thing where, like, if I'm ever really looking to have kids and I have to move because of, like, money, I'm just going to be like, yo, just shut the hell up. Daddy's about to make this bread, dog. Yeah. Deal with the pain. Yeah. <laughs> just move on. Yeah. But you remember that. I remember, and, you know, I understand why my parents did it, so I can I can see where you're coming from with that. I wouldn't, you know, ever turn that opportunity just because of that. How long does that take? Does that take? If I have a kid, you know what I mean? Like, how long does that take for you to recognize why they moved? You're an adult, and you're like, no, okay, I'm not I mean, I wasn't heartbroken about it. I mean, after we moved, I mean, that was pretty much the end of it. You just move on. Like, I don't even remember it. Like, I remember crying. I remember the kids. I remember we were really close, but it wasn't like I went through some type of traumatic experience afterwards where I was upset with my parents or, you know, I didn't talk to anybody or anything like that. It was just, all right, now I'm gone, and we move on. All right, so moved around a bunch. Virginia, you made your home. So people who don't know, including myself, what's Virginia really like? Because I think about the U.S. and it's a like four places. The Northeast, you have the Midwest, you have the West Coast, and you have the South. Mm-hmm. Is Virginia just another southern city? Like, does it have its own kind of unique personality? You know what I mean? Yeah, Virginia is different just because, you know, you got Central Virginia, which is like growing, there's a lot of young people because you have schools there, you got universities.
HBCU, Virginia Union, Virginia State. So it's a lot of youth that are in the Richmond area. And it's becoming more progressive and it's becoming um, a larger city. It's, it's kind of like a big city in a small town at the same time, in my opinion. Okay. Then you have Northern Virginia, which is right outside of DC. That's like a completely different world. I mean, it, the cost of living is a lot higher. Yeah. It's more government workers, contractors. Uh, then you have Western Virginia, which is mountainous and country. Yeah. And then you yep. have the eastern <laughs> part of Virginia, which is the beach. So Virginia has a lot of, you know, different worlds just within inside the state. Okay. That's interesting. I probably I'll do my best to never have to live there. Uh-huh. No disrespect <laughs> to anyone. I'm not from Boston, so I don't want to have to actually deal. Yeah. Uh, this is my bubble. Right. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, this is, this is, I just want to stay. I'm gonna probably have to be in that area like that. Uh-huh. So I get my mind ready. Uh-huh. I'm gonna stay in this bubble just for a little bit longer. Right. 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 So you're there. You're Virginia. Uh-huh. You're in high school. When you go to college, what's that experience like as far as learning, as far as doing work? You know, you're a young black man from the South, you're a young man from the South, or just a college student point of view. What was that like for you? College was a lot of fun, actually. I I just had a lot of fun. I didn't focus too much on school. Okay. Um, I probably should have focused more. Like, I would really have conversations with myself when I was in college. <clears throat> where I would have a 9 o'clock class or an 8 o'clock class and I'd wake up and I'd be sleepy and I'd ask myself, should I go to class and go to sleep? Or should I just stay in my bed and go to sleep? <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, when it gets warm outside and everybody's outside, I'm like, man, are we really doing something in class today? I can I stay out here for a while? So, um, you know, I, I, that actually helped me because what ended up happening is I barely graduated. Like, literally, I barely graduated college. I had to go to one of my professors at the end of the semester and argue a case to get him to change my grade on the final exam so it would give me the grade I needed to have the cumulative GPA in my curriculum to actually graduate. Really? So I literally barely graduated college. You know, me and you have a lot in common because my fiance doesn't know this, but... I BS my way through majority of school, and my last exam I took was so hard that I gave up halfway through, walked up to the professor at the end of the exam, and said, I will see you in the summertime, because I knew I didn't pass that test. Right. And he looked me in the face and said, nah, you good, don't worry about it. <laughs> and it's because he liked me. Okay. That's interesting. So, let me ask you a question. For me, I didn't care. I did not care if I had passed that test. I would have went to school in summer, got the superintendent case. To this day, I don't really talk about graduating school. Why did you care enough to argue that grade? Why did it mean so much? Was it you? Was it people around Because I didn't want to have to retake his class again. If I didn't get the grade, I would have had to redo his class, and I would have been able to walk for graduation. I would have had to graduate that following semester. So that's why I cared. Was it time? Was it... It was more a disappointment of my parents than it really was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, um, you know, they were expecting me to graduate. I was expecting to graduate. So I think it was disappointment of my parents and also just overall embarrassment. Because although I, you know, didn't push myself like I should have in school, I'm still an overachiever. So okay. um, I don't like to quit. I don't like to fail. Um, I just really didn't. School just really wasn't my thing. Do you consider yourself intelligent? 
you take things for granted because you know how smart you are? No, I actually like to learn. Uh, really? That, I like to read. I like to listen to stuff. Um, I just couldn't connect the dots in school. So when I say connect the dots, what I mean is I couldn't figure out how what I was in, what I was learning in school I was going to be able to apply after I left. Couldn't connect the dots, like you said. Right. Understand why it was important. Right. So even though I knew I was going to school to get a job, I didn't understand at least at that time, how the things I was learning in class was going to help me to get a job. I didn't, and, and also, um, you know, my parents uh, didn't go to a four-year college, right? Yeah. So this was, I'm the oldest, so this was like the first experience that we had as far as what should be done as far as going to college. So just the fact that I'm going to college is a win. My parents were sending me to college, but the small things of just knowing, hey, you need to have a high GPA, you need to get an internship, you need to go to this career fair, and this is how you build this resume so you can actually get a decent job when you graduate. I didn't have that guidance. So because I didn't have all of this stuff in between, my thought process was as long as I finish, I'm gonna get a job somewhere. And what happened is once I finished, I ain't get a job. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I feel like that. Oh, sorry, about it, but I feel like that becomes because we're guys. Like I feel like every uh, female I knew, every woman I knew, knew what they wanted to do, but they knew how they were gonna get there. Mm-hmm. I feel like every guy I ever met in my entire life, from friends I had to strangers, they kind of have an idea of what they want to do. We just don't know those small steps to get there, or the shit work involved. So we find ourselves in situations like classrooms, uh, entry-level jobs, mm-hmm. internships, where you're there for about a month, and you're like, this is bullshit. It's right, 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 right. <laughs> not what I thought it was going to be. Right. I thought I was going to be running this company in about six months. Right. So you have all these outliers, right? You have all these different reasons why you're in school, or why you feel you need to have a good grade. You barely graduate, mm-hmm. right? When you graduated, were there a bunch of loans involved? Was it aid? What, what, what was that? I did. Like? I had I had student loans. So you had student loans. Mm-hmm. You graduated with a bunch of student loans. What's your outlook on life post college? Walk across the stage. You have your celebrations with your family, but now you know you don't know what you want to do or how to do it at least, and you know you have money to pay back. Mm-hmm. Where's your mind? So I I didn't initially grasp concept of student loans and paying the money back so I wasn't worried about that at that time and I did end up getting a job however the job that I got if I would have not gone to college and just worked at the bank those four years I likely could have just been promoted into that job without the student loans it wasn't a very high paying job I think I made 32 grand or something okay right that sounds like good money for a bro to a bro person. <laughs> uh, All right, so thirty-two. When I started out at like twenty-seven thousand. Okay, 27. that is not a lot of money. Well, twenty-seven thousand doing what? I was a personal banker, so you know. At twenty-seven thousand? Yeah, so you know the guy when you walk into the bank. Yeah. And the dude who's all in your face. He's sitting at the desk or whatever. That was me. 
for 20, if I knew he was only making 20 cents, I would have said, I'm sorry that each one of those dudes <laughs> I spent on. <laughs> so for me, I'm just like, all right, well, I got a job. So when I graduated college, I had to move back in with my parents. Uh, well, I really didn't have to, but second bad decision I made, first bad decision was not paying attention to school at all. Okay. Uh, second bad decision I made is as soon as I graduated, I got a car. That's bad. Why is that bad decision? Because it's debt. And it's debt on a depreciated asset. And most of the time when you get a car, you finance it too long anyway. And you're going to need a car before you end up paying it off. So when you go to trade in a car, you're going to have to give out more money. But nonetheless, for what I was doing, I already had a car that was... I'm sorry, I'm going to need you to break that down again. For all the people in the background, I'm going to need you all to, to listen to this. Cause this is some real... This is, the way he broke that down and why buying a car is a bad idea was just... It was poetry. Like, now why... Why was that a bad idea? Because I feel like purchases are something that you do in relationships for some weird reason. You know what I mean? And you get all this debt, right? right. Why is that a bad idea to buy a car? Because I was in the city where you don't need one. And I had right. this talk with someone else who's like, yeah, we need one. And I'm right. like, we don't need one. Right. You know what I mean? So why is that a bad idea? Because of. <laughs> <laughs> why is that a bad idea? Well, look, this is just my opinion, right? This is just my opinion. <laughs> But a car is a depreciating asset, which means this is something that at some point is going to go down to zero. Its worth at some point is going to be zero. Okay. So as soon as you purchase this vehicle, right? as soon as you leave, mm-hmm. it's going to be worth less than what you actually purchased it for. Okay. Which means if you had to sell the car the next day, you're going to get less than what you bought it for. So you immediately are going to lose money. All right. So you don't want to use debt for something that is not going to make you any money. That's mm-hmm. number one. Number two is most of the time when you purchase a vehicle to get your payment down lower, you'll finance it out for a longer period of time. Okay. So that might be five years or six years or whatever the case may be. And depending upon the vehicle that you purchase, at some point along the way, maybe let's call it year three, year four, there may be some maintenance that needs to be done to the car. And depending upon the severity of that maintenance, you may be in a position where you don't want to put that kind of money into the vehicle and you want to get out of it. When you go to get out of it, remember, it's going to be worth less. And because your loan is so long, you haven't been knocking down the principal on the loan. So when you go to get rid of the car, you're going to have to come out of your pocket. You're going to have to actually pay extra money to get rid of the vehicle. So. If you're looking at something that's just going to get you to point A to point B, it would be better to just pay for something out of pocket because I read an article one time that the way the guy broke it down is he said, you're only paying for years of use on the car, right? Okay. So like, let's say the lifespan on a car is 200,000 miles. Right. So if the car is going to have a lifespan of 200,000 miles, if you get the car at zero miles, you're paying the highest premium on that 200,000. You may only use $50,000 or 50,000 miles of use. So if you're only going to use 50,000 miles of use, if you get it at 150,000 miles, you pay a lower premium for your 50,000 miles of use. Okay. Okay. So that was a long drawn out. No, 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 no. That makes sense. I, the, the best part about everything you just said was 
for a person like myself who doesn't understand finances was don't go in debt over things that are not going to make you more money. Correct. And I feel like we go in debt on a regular basis. We go in debt, right? If I get a credit card, if I get money loan from somebody, I could spend it on whatever because I'm not used to having money. I could buy clothes. I could do like my mind floods with ideas to purchase things I did not have the freedom to purchase before I got this debt or this loan or this credit card, whatever it may have. And then in the end, I may feel good because I got to pay for it down the road, but I got to pay interest but, and I got to pay it. You know? So in the long run, it could end up just, it, it's not the situation that I think it is. It's all kind of, you know, uh, this is a mental block I put on myself to feel better about it. Yeah, the thing that um, I had to start focusing on, and it took me a while to do this, is focusing more on net worth than cash flow. Because when you focus on cash flow, you can dig yourself into a deeper hole. When you focus on net worth, you tend to change the way that you make buying decisions. Okay, you're dropping mad jewels. Let's just, let's just, because you got a lot, dude. <laughs> this is a lot. But I'm going to read all of this. Now let's, let's go back to, now if you hear background noise, that's not us. That's just, that's just, that is, that is the people we have to do what they want to do so we can be happy. <laughs> so let's go back to, you graduated. You get your job. When do you start getting your understanding of the things you're spitting out to me now, right? Like how money works, things of that nature. Does that come from just being at the bank, your first job? Does that come from you reading on the side? Where does this thinking start? It came from, first of all, making the bad decisions. So all the stuff that I just told you, doing the exact opposite. Okay. So having a credit card and purchasing clothes on the credit card, purchasing food on the credit card. So I'm paying interest for clothes and food. Having student loans, <clears throat> which that's a whole nother conversation. It's a whole nother thing. Because you gotta, you know, figure out is what it really worth going to college for real, you know. And for some people it is, right? Um, but if you look at what you're making once you graduate college compared to the amount of debt that you may have had to incur along the way, and whatever that payment is monthly, like if you were able to, so let's say somebody's student loan payments are seven hundred and fifty dollars. That's very reasonable. Okay, yeah. all right, so let's say 750 right? Yeah. So if you did not have a student loan payment of $750, it's almost the equivalent of having an extra $750 in income. Right, yeah, okay. So if you take that idea and look at an employment situation and one person is making $2,750 and they have student loans, the other person is making two thousand, and they don't. We could just make, you know, an observation that they both really one didn't go to college, one did, are making the same amount of net income. Okay. As a result. Uh, um, and I kind of got sidetracked there. Oh, so basically, I made all the wrong decisions, and I'm suffering <laughs> from those wrong decisions. And I'm reading along the way, and I finally have like this light bulb that clicks that says, hey, you should probably, you know, try doing something with your job. Was it a light bulb? I feel like 
why I ask that is that everyone, including myself, is waiting for that one moment where you realize everything you're doing is wrong and you figure out how to fix it in an instant, right? And all the mess of stuff you're doing, you continue to kind of give yourself an excuse to do it because you're waiting for this epiphany to come out of nowhere for you to say, yo, this is how you fix all that stuff, right? It's like being late to class all the time and telling the teacher, I'll start coming on time and I get paid more. But you don't know it's the it's you changing your habits first that causes you to get paid more. Mm-hmm. So what was it? Was it you waking up one day and realizing I'm done with this life? Or was it a gradual process that you kind of started to see yourself taking once you noticed how things were starting to turn out? Um, I would say, man, it was a process. It was not a... Uh... So, I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur, like, as young as I can remember. Like, I remember being eight years old, knocking on my neighbor's doors to rake their leaves and wash their cars stuff like that right okay so my goal has always been to be an entrepreneur but i've been supported in that by my parents they've always told me that i can be anything i wanted to be do anything i wanted to do but the guidance that i receive and all that i see is go to school get good grades then you'll get a good job then you can do the entrepreneur thing after you secure that foundation process that I'm going on. The problem that I had is I messed up to get good grades and get a good job part. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So when I graduated and I started making the decisions that I was making because my income was not that high, I felt the impact of those decisions fairly quickly. So I feel like it was a blessing for me not to have made that much money because it somewhat limited poor financial decisions that I could make because by only making so much money, I only can extend so much credit. So there were a lot of things that I tried to do that I got declined for, and thank God I did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Because yeah. otherwise, I would have been in a, a whole lot worse, worse off situation, right? Yeah. So what ended up happening after that is when I got married, my wife, she followed the plan to a T. She went to school. She got excellent grades. She got a wonderful job, and Sicily had good grades. Yeah, yeah, good grades. She was in the background. She's a, she's, she's, yeah, she she's was a, a, a she was. I, I didn't know. I was just trying to <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, when we got married, it only makes sense for me to follow her job, right? So now, when we get married, I moved. She's living in Iowa at the time, and we're both from Virginia, so we're 16 hours away from family, anybody we know. And she's working, I don't have a job. And as a man, that's a tough spot to be in. Was it? It is. Yeah. It's a real tough especially if you want to do something. That would be a bump. It's a bump guy <laughs> chilling. <laughs> if you're a bump, you live it. But uh, you know, so at that point, what it did is it gave me ground zero, so to speak. Because a lot of times we don't change or do anything different because we're space that we're in so for some people like and it depends on what part of the country that you live in so incomes are different but for some people like two thousand or three thousand or four thousand dollars a month will prevent you from getting ten thousand you know what i'm saying because you already 
you're not willing to risk the $2,000 income to get to the $10,000 income. And until you risk it, you'll never get there, right? Fortunately for me, I messed up in school and I didn't get a good job and now I don't have a job. So anything that I do is a benefit. So I can make $300 and that's a win. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It doesn't feel good. Like looking back on it, it's kind of cool that I was able to push through that. But going through it is miserable. Like I wish I could say it's like, no, I was tough. And look, I was being as positive as I could, but it was miserable. Like I hated not being. I hated feeling like. I hated feeling like I wanted to contribute more, and I just didn't know how. Right. Yeah. And funny thing is, because we were out there, and it was her job, like. What do you do for a living there, buddy? And <laughs> 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 like, I gotta go through this today. But uh <laughs> but that, you know, put me in a humble place to where I was like, all right, so I gotta do something different. So I was cutting grass, I was throwing parties, I flew newspapers, um I just did whatever. And just over the process of doing that stuff, I just got out of my comfort zone where I developed the skill of being able to communicate with somebody to get them to do business with me. So, and once I learned that skill and I realized that I could make more money, then I started to believe I could correct a lot of those mistakes that I had already made. And then that's when I started correcting those mistakes. What would you say is your your lowest point where you was like to the mirror and was like, what is this? Like, when I, I, it sounds bad, <clears throat> but like after I got married and moved to Iowa, like, and I didn't have a job. Well, it actually got worse when we moved to North Carolina because I really, really, really didn't have a job. I had a job for a short period of time in Iowa. But when I moved to North Carolina, I didn't have a job. And then I started selling insurance and year so then I went back to school so I'm 25 maybe 25 years old and I'm yeah. going to undergrad with like 18 19 year olds in yeah. class and I'm going there to get a degree in engineering so I can get a good job and I'm paying attention now and I'm getting good grades but the problem with that is it's a humbling experience number one but I'm broke yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I'm broke but like I went from making a little bit of money hustling legally hustling okay yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. to now I'm not making any money so it was at that point I was like man look you gotta do something you can you can sell insurance you just gotta commit to it so when we had the winter break it was winter of 2011 going into 2012 I went out I sold some policies I was feeling good started and I kept selling I was missing class and I was like I gotta tell sister because I'm not trying to pay for a whole other semester yeah, just yeah. missing class and it was I thought about the conversation it was tough to have the conversation but when I you know talked to her about it she was supportive and then that year was like my my turn 
sure of that? It's 2012. Yo. First of all, Sicily is way, like, our new Sicily is awesome, but damn, that's a, that's, a, and I told my fiance to listen to this, because they're going to be some trouble times, and I just want you to understand that, because that was mad, like, to go through that, to have that support system, because I'll be honest, before you I met, before I, <laughs> before I met my fiance, I was 28 at Suffolk University, taking classes with 20-year-olds, not buying beer. You know what I mean? So I'm the literally the most going from one of the coolest guys you could meet in my twenties to the absolute uncoolest dude ever. Uh-huh. And there was nothing sadder than me going home looking in the mirror like, You're such a fucking loser And <laughs> 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 like going back to class and sucking it up. Yeah. So I get it. Like, yeah. don't get me wrong. And the worst part is caring. Right. I could be a bum if I didn't care. I would be out on the street with a forty Chilling, dog. Like no responsibilities, <laughs> dog. Whatever. But when you feel like you know you have more to contribute, right? It kills you inside. Right. And I feel like for the problem with men is like you feel like you can't talk about it. Right. You can. Well, look, and you know what makes it worse is, <clears throat> at least it made it worse for me. Like I appreciate my wife. She's always been supportive. But when you struggling and then your wife, <laughs> <laughs> she making like quadruple <laughs> what you make. It's like, damn. It's like, I'm really struggling. How awkward was it when she would come home after her hard day of Fortune 500 work and you just you just at the house? I was kind of yeah, yeah, like, even, even, was even, when, even when I didn't have no. uh, steady right. employment, I would get up at like early in the morning like I'm going to work. And even if I didn't have anywhere else to go, I would go to the bookstore and go read or apply for jobs or do something and then come back like 5, 30, 6 o'clock. So I, I could not stay in the house. I, I, respect, I respect that, man. I'm like, you know, I'm Ashton H.J. Uh, and he's done a really good job of making considerably more than I do. Uh, but I think the big thing is just seeing that you're trying. Right. Understanding. So, you're talking a little bit about what you did after, right? So, you moved back. You're not feeling that well about yourself. Why not just give up? Was it your, was it the, was it marriage? You know what I mean? Like, because there's a lot of broke, there's a lot of broke brothers out here, broke people out here, who are just like, screw it. I got a wife who's, who's, who's good. She does her thing. She loved me. What like what kept you what kept you from just quitting? I'm just not built that way, man. I can't. No, Cause I can't really? Because uh, I might be. Uh, <laughs> 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 so, and I, and I respect that. And I feel like I really respect that. So you come. Besides, in addition to that, I feel like, and this is like a whole nother conversation, but I feel like my dad would have driven down, at this point we're living in Greensboro, but he would have driven down to Greensboro and had a conversation with me if I would have even had that thought process at all. Like, that's not even, nah. Really? Nah. Matter of fact, Cicely, can I, can we, can I get you on my, like, 12 seconds? Because I feel like this is really interesting. Please, please, just you on the microphone, because I, I just feel like. This is a, this is a, this is a, well, you're doing a really good job of, of outlining everything. It is kind of a, there's a, there's a, there's a situation here. There's a whole conversation that, you know what I mean? I feel like we need to be having. So, Cicely is married to the protagonist of this story, Mr. Crooks. The protagonist. And I, I just want to get your feedback. What is, 
Because when it comes from a male's perspective on entrepreneurship, and I can only speak from my perspective, right? You feel like you have this clock in your head, and you feel like no one understands what's going on besides you. Like, I internalize everything because I feel like I have my own deadlines, my own failures. I can't really communicate, but you probably feel the same way. So when you see what's going on, you, you're, you're married, you want good things. What's, what is going on in your head? I really don't know. Like, is it... Is it no? Is it is it? I'm just I'm really curious. Like, is it is it frustration? Is it hope? Like, I don't know. Because to me, it's all bad stuff. Well, my business ain't going well on the side. It's just depression, bro. And I don't even want to talk about it. Um. Huh. Feel free to move closer. The mic, right? I'm still trying to feel. <laughs> What's going through my mind? I see that he's trying, and I know that he doesn't. He has great work ethic and I know that there's something that's going to happen I don't know what it is but I know that something is going to happen because typically anyone that works towards something will get something I just don't know what it was going to be I didn't I I didn't know what it was going to be I didn't realize it was going to be insurance because when we first started when we first got married he was like I'll never sell a thing ever in my life <clears throat> he was like, I'll never go into sales. I'm not a people person. I don't like dealing with people. I don't like talking to people. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, well, you're going to find something. So I never felt frustrated. Um, Cause when we got married, there was no, we were very clear as to what marriage stood for us. So there was like no division, even when it came to finances, I knew what I was getting into for a lack of a better word but it was never a situation where um I felt as if I was even being like taken advantage of I never felt as if he was just gonna be some bomb at the house like because I knew that's just not who he was so whether he was gonna be out there throwing papers at three o'clock in the morning he was going to be damn good at throwing those papers at 4 o'clock in the morning. And he could have damn near been the, I don't know, the owner of the paper company at some point in time. But again, it was just having patience to see what was going to hit. Um, yeah, if it wasn't papers, it was going to be, what else? Cutting grass. <laughs> it would have been the best damn lawn care service we would have ever had. But I knew that he was working towards something. Like you said, he will go to the um, bookstore and he will read and he will read and he will read. And I did take that. I was like, he's coming up with plan B. He's coming up with the next plan. So I never felt frustrated. I never felt anything towards it because I, I just knew something was going to happen. I just didn't know when and I didn't know what it was going to be. You know, it's funny because the majority of people I got to talk to through the Alliance Club, I look easily majority men, right? And majority in relationships. So there's this on, there's this pressure everyone tells me about that I even feel, but there's no transparency. It's like, you can't tell your significant other, like, what that means to you. You can't suck it up. You know what I mean? Like, suck it up, figure it out, do your thing. And when you don't talk about it in your mind, when you feel like you're losing, you're losing. You know what I mean? You could be making 300 grand, 500 grand, 
millions. But if it's not competing the way it's supposed to be up here, it don't feel good ever. And every single time I can go from my experience, my fiance, which is my girlfriend, my girlfriend, or to anyone else, someone telling me, yeah, hey man, you're doing a good job, or you're doing a good job. Think that lying to you. <laughs> you're like, look, man, I know you're just trying to keep me from killing myself right now. So I'm not, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not winning. And it's, and I, that's what I think is interesting is the fact that it, conversation, transparency, being able to like convey, like, yo, this is what I'm going through. This is what I'm tr- actually trying to accomplish. I feel like, I personally feel, you, and let me know, I feel like more guys are just like, yo, just don't worry. I'm going to make this magic come back in like 10 months is going to be totally different and there's no process there's no like these are the steps this is what I'm going to do I'm going to go here and I'm going to go here and you just lead people along these rides so you get maybe you get lucky maybe you don't and that's where I feel things splinter so I, I just think that's super thank you by the way that, I thought that was super uh, introspective so that that's awesome do you feel that when you're when you're when you're going through this I don't feel pressure as far as my wife had an expectation. I felt pressure as far as me wanting to be better or contribute differently. Yeah. So, one of the things that I realized now, started putting more focus on learning and activity mm-hmm. and the combination of combination of those two things helped me yeah okay because if you look at everything numerically instead of qualitatively right yeah yeah then you'll be able to evaluate yourself differently so like let's say for example my business is insurance right now let's let's get into that because that we we, we we danced on it a little bit yeah you highlighted on it it's a good point i think people need to hear this and we'll go back and no 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 it. yeah you go ahead you take it you take so it. my business is insurance so if i wanted to evaluate myself in my business i know that there are a few key things that i need to do on a day-to-day basis in order to be successful it's not a bunch of stuff is nothing that's really fancy or over the top. It's just some real boring basic stuff, right? How many people did I call today? How many appointments did I set? How many presentations did I do? How many people did I close? Like, there's really no, we can just put numbers in those boxes. No words, just numbers, Okay. right? So then at the end of the day, I can look at this sheet of paper and say, how many people did I call today? Well, I only called two people which is why I don't have any appointments and why I don't have any sales. Or I called 300 people, and that's why I have 10 appointments and I did two sales. Or I called 300 people and I didn't have any appointments, right? So if I call 300 people and I don't have any appointments, that tells me I need to work on appointment setting. Like I need to get better at my script on setting an appointment. If I call, you know, 20 people to set 10 appointments, that says I'm pretty good at setting appointments, I don't need to work on that. 
And from those 10 appointments, if I make five or six sales, that says, hey, I'm on point. Or if I make no sales, that says I need to work on my presentation and overcoming objections or figuring out you know, what in that thing I need to fix. But if you look at it from uh, a qualitative point of view, it would be more difficult yeah. for you to improve your business because you're just, when you're looking at it from a qualitative standpoint, it's I'm not getting the result, I'm frustrated, I'm angry, this needs to work. When you look at it from a quantitative standpoint, you can actually pinpoint where you're dropping the ball. And most people, myself included, when I first got started, I'm dropping the ball on calling people. Or if, if you're not calling to set appointments, you're dropping the ball on going to see somebody and tell them about your business. Yeah. Or you're dropping the ball on um, calling this person to set up this meeting so you can tell them about it. Tell them about your business. That's where most people drop the ball because yeah. they're so busy trying to get business cards and websites and uh, whatever, GoFundMe's and all this other stuff that doesn't matter until you actually approach somebody about your business. Like what I teach people to do that work with us is do stuff in reverse. So I would rather you get your license not have an application, a business card, anything, and call somebody to set up an appointment. And after you get your appointment set, now you have incentive to get all of that stuff done a whole lot faster. You see what I'm saying? And yeah. even if you don't have it, you can still go into the appointment and make something work. Now you have money to put back into that other stuff. But that other stuff really means nothing for you. You know, the other stuff is sexier. But, and that's, that's what caught me. Coming up with a logo design is much sexier than go walk up to someone going, is this a dumb fucking idea? Yeah. And then going, yeah, it's a pretty stupid <laughs> idea. You got to fix this. Right. Or you picking up the phone to call a potential customer or client. Right. Well, people forget with all these new you know, business ideas we have. It could be podcasts, internet, mobile apps, all the things I dabble with. Mm-hmm. It's all business. It's all sale. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know how to do any of that stuff, you don't last long. And I feel like we just fool ourselves mm-hmm. because of the internet, we learn about, you know, the other things that are peripheral things that come with these businesses. And we just focus on them, right? We just yeah. focus on the brand. We want the glitter. Yeah, exactly. It's all about that glitter, man. It's right. all, it's all. Right. Right. And you're absolutely right. It really comes down to, you can have everything in the world. You can have the best product in the world and no one know about it. And we could all say this is the best. Mm-hmm. You want to pick up that phone? But think about how much time has been wasted. Yeah. How much money has been spent. Just go talk to somebody. So of all the hustles, what to you made you stick on insurance? Well, I got into insurance by accident, number one. So when I was looking at getting into business, I I wanted to be a real estate investor. Again, this is getting into what sounds sexy, right? So you tell somebody, yeah, I invest in real estate, it just sounds good, you know. but I quickly realized my income was such that I couldn't qualify for a loan <laughs> to buy a house. Yeah. I didn't have any capital to put down for a down payment, and um, I didn't even—I didn't really have any real mentorship um, in getting that process started. Now, could I have still made it successful? Probably, but because of that, I ended up shifting into. Just reconfigure. I got involved okay. in a network marketing company for a period of time, which that helped me out a whole lot because when I got involved, 
that taught me about reading books. That's why I learned reading books. And I became an avid reader, like every single night, religiously, Sunday through Sunday, I'm reading a chapter of a book before I go to bed. And I was so firm in that, that Cicely would get mad at me because she would be trying to talk to me in the evening. And I'm like, I'm, I'm reading right now. <laughs> you know, so... Uh, I'll be watching Netflix. I'll be telling my girl, let me learn. You know what I mean? Let me me learn through these specials. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, what ended up happening is when we moved from Iowa to North Carolina, or we were about to move, I was going to be in a position. So, when we moved to Iowa, initially I didn't have a job. Right. The way that I got the job in Iowa is I was applying on job sites and that wasn't working. So I had banking experience. Yeah. So I looked up every single bank that was in this in the you know corridor, 30 minute corridor of where we were. Yeah. And I found the contact information for the CEOs and the presidents of the bank and I would send them an email with my resume and like, hey, I'm looking for a job, this is what I can do and it actually worked. One of them responded to me and that's how I got my job while I was that alone, you know what I mean? That alone set you up for success in the future. Because the fact that you did that. Right. Yeah. Right. Didn't mean to interrupt you, bro. Go ahead. Yeah, so, what ended up happening was when we moved, because we were trying to get closer back to home from Virginia, North Carolina, we're doing a transfer with Cicely's job. Cool. She has a job. I don't. So, I'm back in the same boat all over again. Like, Damn. <laughs> so, my dad, he was in the insurance business. He said, hey, look, get your insurance license before you get out here, and you can do that until you find a job. And that's how I got my license. My first year, like I said, uh, I sold some, but it wasn't enough to be happy about it. I think I might've made 24,000, 28,000, something like that. And that's when I decided to go back to school. And I went back to school, was broke for an entire year. I was getting good grades and all that was good, but I just didn't want to go through that anymore. And that's when I started selling on winter break. And then I said, hey, you know what? I can do this and I committed. So from 2012 um, until now, say there's some blessings or luck involved in that part. Um, 
outside of that, man, just work. Yeah. Work. So do you have, because I know this isn't all you do. Insurance, I, I know about, you all, I know you also run a podcast. Right. You probably need to talk about it a little bit. Do you have an ulterior plan outside of this? Do you have something else in mind that you really want to do? You know what I mean? Like, is there is there another chapter? Um, I think I'm doing that right now. Um, so with insurance, I have an insurance agency. So I myself go out, I see the people I sell, but I train other people to do the same thing. Okay. And position them to have similar success as, as I have. There have been uh, a couple people that I've been able to help quit their jobs. There have been some people who work with me part-time, and there have been some people who were already in some type of entrepreneurial venture that were able to come along and work with me and create full-time income. So the podcast, where the podcast ties into that is in my overall purpose. What I want to do is I want to change people's lives. And it sounds like a cliche thing, but if you can help somebody make an extra $500 or $1,000 a month, that's life-changing. That can dictate what zip code you live in or what vacations you go on or what experiences you have in life. Yeah. Or if you can help somebody create any type of full-time income, that's helping them to experience the one thing that I feel like is the most beneficial thing about entrepreneurship more than anything else is time freedom. Like the ability to dictate your own schedule on a day-to-day basis is to be in control of your own time. Yeah. Man, like, man, is that's it right there. So um, that's what I do within the confines of the agency. With the podcast, again, I want to help change people's lives and ultimately change the world, man. Like, and I feel like, Again, that's another cliche thing to say, but if you can help people, those people can help people, you know? And it's a lot of things that we can do to help people. You can help somebody with their health or with their relationships or whatever. I want to help people with money. Like, I want to help people realize that you can make more money than what you're making. Um, You can do something differently. You know, it's okay. You don't got to be scared about it. So the podcast is more about just showcasing entrepreneurship and getting people comfortable with the idea of thinking outside of the box and getting comfortable, getting people comfortable with the idea of believing in themselves more than what they believe. Because when you see a certain number of things on a day-to-day basis, that's what you believe. It's almost like you believe what you see. So if you can just get a glimpse of what something else looks like because especially on social media man yeah. because you'll see a guy who makes 500 million dollars a year on social media and he has a phantom and <laughs> jet three helicopters yeah you know you're like man how the hell can i get there <laughs> but like if you see somebody that's on the upswing like that's a whole lot closer to you can yep. still be far away like yeah. if you're looking at numbers can still be maybe far away but a whole lot closer than, you know, 10 million, it it shows like, okay, so this is somewhat possible. 
like, if I can do a hundred thousand or two hundred thousand in a year on my own, like from my own business, generate that kind of revenue, that's the equivalent of what some doctors, lawyers, financial professionals, and you know, people with degrees and go to top universities make. But you're able to do that in your own business. I consider that to be an awesome business. Like you don't have to do a million dollars to have an awesome business. I think sometimes but like media all together, TV, social media, makes us think that in order to be successful, you have to do 10, 15, 20, 30 billion dollars in revenue right. to have a successful company. Right. Man, some people will be happy if you can make seventy-five, eighty thousand dollars, <laughs> and you have to from your own business and you're controlling your own time. That's rich <laughs> to yeah. me. Yeah, you know. So. That's my goal. My goal is to help as many people as I can, and by virtue of me helping as many people as I can, they're going to help me make more money. All right. the best. I, I respect that. Before we go into, I want to get all the information about what you're doing. Okay. That's why it's one last question. Why the motivation to help others? You know what I mean? I feel like you don't see it enough. Your people who who get theirs and they just kind of drift away. Mm-hmm. Why? Why? Like, why do you want people to see what that feels like? You know. Um, a few reasons. <laughs> first, the first reason is I want to change. I want to change the the opportunities for our culture. I want to change the the vision for our, the aspiration for our culture, right? So a lot of times when it comes to success, we look at success and we attribute success as a culture of sports entertainment. Yeah. Right. So I want to give a different lane for that, like where you can be successful doing something outside. Like there are other things that you can do. Besides that, so if you're already 28 years old and <laughs> your knee is hurt, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. basketball or football or whatever is out the window, or you're not a talented lyricist and you can't sing or you can't act, there's still some other things that you can do. Because I remember as a kid, for me, I always wanted to be rich and I always wanted to make money, but I didn't necessarily have any entrepreneur that was presented in front of me to say, here's an example of what you can do. And I think that's important to have something else to see, to aspire to, right? And that's number one. Number two, um, we need to make more money, man. Yeah. We need to make more money. We need to make more money. We can't, we can't help each other somebody comes to you and and I'm not saying this against any religious person or anything like that I'm just offering my opinion but if somebody comes to you and says can I borrow fifty dollars and you say I'm gonna pray for you <laughs> you know um, that prayer is likely to say hey I hope this person gets the fifty dollars right right like I need fifty dollars I'm gonna get kicked out of my place 
prayer is going to be, please, Lord, get them this $50 so they don't get kicked out. Well, let's put ourselves in a position where we still can pray for people and we still can believe God to do the things that he's going to do. But in the meantime, we can give $50, right? So that's one small example, but on a larger scale that comes to, you know, schools, parks, opportunities, programs, resources, uh, mentorship, you know, a lot of programs that can be put in place where we may not have to look to say we need this particular politician to be here in order for us to do this. We need government funding for this program. If it's on the heart of whoever the person is to give and they have a passion behind it, they may not be able to give it a lot of attention, but maybe they can give it a substantial amount of money that can make an impact within the community. And we need more people making money to be able to have those, you know, kind of give backs. And the last reason is a selfish reason, which is I know that the more people I help, the more people, the more people can help me. Like the, the law of reciprocity. That's how the world works, man. So yeah. at first when I started on my journey of entrepreneurship, it was what can I get? 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 Now it's okay, how can I help this person? And by virtue of me helping this person, how can that, excuse me, potentially benefit me as well, right? Yeah. So it's not all, you know, unicorns and, and flowers and candy. There's some some selfishness in, in involved. If he's trying to start a startup, that investor is looking for, he's not trying to help you. He is, but he's trying to help him too. Right. So <laughs> it has to be a benefit on both ends, right? Yeah. But I do know if I don't help the person, if it's all completely 100% selfish, then I'm not going to get the desired result that I'm looking for. So that's why even if you look at any company, regardless of the name of the company, I mean, let's take a car company. I don't want to use any company names. So let's take a car company. They know that they have to help this person by making a quality car. The Bluetooth is convenient. assist is convenient because now they're not going to back into the to the light post on the street because they have a camera. Yeah. And by virtue of them having those features that helps that person, they can charge a higher premium on that vehicle which helps them. Right? So the concept is the same for me. I, I don't have anything like on my podcast anything like that that I can monetize at this point. But I know eventually at some point by me offering something that may help somebody it'll come back. Well, good, man. I know it will. And the fact that your your mind's in the right place and your heart's definitely in the right place. Right. Like, I already know that that's going to come. And I feel like it's not the whole nice guy finish last thing. It's just people who have their mindset in the right area and just know how to execute. It just always works out for them. So, at this point, let everybody know. What if, where can they find the other podcast? What is the other podcast? I want you to be able to shout out everything you're doing right now. Okay. So that All right. we know where to find you. Alright, so first, social media at James Crooks Jr. That's Instagram and Twitter. Facebook is James Crooks Jr. also. So Facebook.com forward slash James Crooks Jr. YouTube, James Crooks Jr. And the podcast is on iTunes.
iTunes, Stitcher, and YouTube. It's called Hustle Money. And you can search on those uh, platforms. Hustle Money, James Crooks Jr. to pop up. Make sure you subscribe. Check it out. Leave a rating. Leave a comment. That, that helps us out. Um, as far as our agency, our life insurance agency is concerned, SIGFinalExpense.com. S like Sam, I like Ink, G like Gary, FinalExpense.com. And we can help you start a career with a part-time or full-time selling life insurance. You're looking at $300 to $500 per sale. And, you know, we have a whole platform, videos, scripts, the whole nine yards to help you get started on that. Um, I just did a podcast uh, with a guy by the name of Daniel Patton. He, uh, he's a, a very strong entrepreneur. He's done over five and a half billion dollars in sales. He had a company sold for $3.3 billion. Um, and um, he has a lot of great tips in there. So you want to check that out. That's the last interview that I did with Daniel Patton. I think that's episode 19, I believe. Uh, so check that out. And I'm also on my personal Facebook page, and you'll be able to find me, James Crooks Jr. The name is that comedy. Junior. <laughs> Make sure you do Junior. <laughs> uh, I've been doing some Facebook lives. Normally when we go live, it's about 9.30 in the evening. Well, usually after kids are put to bed. So, you know, sometimes it's 8.30, sometimes it's 9.30. But just check my page and you can see some of the lives that we've been doing. Where we've interviewed some agents that have been working with us and their success. And that success varies. You know, you got some people doing, you know, 25000 in a month. And you got some people doing, you know, 1000 or 500 But we showcase everybody because everybody has a different desire that, that they're going after. Some people only maybe have the belief for $500 right now and that's fine. And um, some people have the belief for more. Either way, we're going to encourage you. We're going to help you um, if that's something that you're interested in looking at. And we work with folks all over the country. So regardless of where you are, that'll be fine. Um, I think that's about everything that I got going on. It's plenty. Yeah. Uh, anyone who's listening, take advantage of it. Like, definitely take advantage of what you've heard. And uh, spread it. I think that's the that's the that's the main thing. Yeah, like we gotta yeah. start paying things forward. Stuff that we hear, we got a little. Are, are you giving me? Someone's giving me wrap up signals. Like this is a real actual studio. What is going on? Like, are we? <laughs> <laughs> are, are you sleepy? All right, I'm sorry. I don't know. You sleepy? I'll, I'll finish this up. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't a joke. I was. <laughs> I was really trying to be considerate. Uh, uh, thank you. You know, for various reasons. I uh, this is something we've done for a while, and pretty much every story I hear on here is just like it's just super inspirational, super inspiring. You know, mm-hmm. and being able to break it down into actionable ways, actionable data that I can use, other people can use to just keep going on. You know, uh, it it it's just it, it'll help in the long run. So. What we'll do, we'll keep following you on your Instagram, on your Facebook, on your YouTubes, or whatever we gotta do. Uh, to the people who listen to this, please continue to do the same for us. Uh, it's been a hiatus, not without good reason, but it has been a hiatus. 
So I'm going to do everything that I can to keep that from happening again. Uh, I got a lot coming up as far as, you know, my personal life. But moments like these are very important to me. And I hope they're important to you as well. So I want to keep them coming. And that is what I will push myself to do over the next 12 months. So James, thank you. Thank you. Uh, we will... We'll, we'll recap this, man. We'll be in touch. Either. We'll just All give right. it like six months or so and see where both of us are at you know, okay. as far as progress. Um, and the listeners will do the same. And uh, to everyone out there, thank you. Thank you for just giving us a shot and sticking around for an hour and eight minutes. And we'll be back. We'll be back next time with a new inspirational story with a new guest and a new story. So everyone out there, I'll see you soon.